I used to be always upset if anything that changed in the church, oh, well, we're going to not have this mass or whatever. And we've all been there where the mass changes or whatever. But you know what? It isn't just about that. It's about us continuing to allow the world to be changed because of the love of God. And, and we just need to keep doing that. And, and sometimes things change. Sometimes things grow. New things start. Old things die. And that's okay. But are we willing then to continue to push ourselves to see what is the new thing that we're going to help support so that Jesus can be found in a new way for new people? Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. My name is Ron Huntley. I love talking about issues of leadership because leadership is so flipping hard. It really is. To turn something around or if you have momentum to keep momentum is not a given. It is hard. We need to be intentional and we can never give up. And so I love talking to leaders from different parts of the world to find out what motivates and inspires them. How do they stay focused? What can we learn from them as and hopefully be an encouragement in the process today? My guest is Josh Clayton. Josh Clayton works in a diocese in Bathurst, which is in Australia. And he is the director of Mission and Renewal and has a real heart for the church. So Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ron. It's wonderful to be here. Did you want to say hi to your mom before we start? Hi, mom. Nice to see. (laughs) Nice that you can hear me. (laughs) I'll say hi to my mom too. Come on. We were just joking before the show saying, even if it's only our moms that listen to us, we're going to have the funnest time today. And so that's our goal. So Absolutely, Ron. And the, the thing about it too is I actually, for me, I'm one of those people where if you talk it through, I actually feel like I understand it better. So this will be great for me for the day. I'll be much more productive after this conversation. <laughs> so thanks for starting my day so well. That's true because it's evening here, it's morning there. You're going to yep. be the, the most focused day in a long time. I like the thoughts of that. I like the thoughts of Josh, how did, at what point, like, is working for a diocese, you know, that's, um, you know, there's working for, whether or not you get involved in your church to volunteer, uh-huh. whether or not you ever work for a church, and a diocese, like, there seems to be an evolution. Like, at what point did you feel called to be part of the solution of, of really helping engage in the life of the church? It's a funny thing, and I suppose... I always think of my life as just a series, and I'm sure many people think of this, a series of just lots of little yeses, where you're just saying yes to God in different ways. And I I can still remember when I must have been about 13, 14, up at uh, the the Catholic Boys High School in Bathurst here, and I I just decided I wanted to go a bit deeper in my faith. And I I thought, well, I'm going to do that. And I sort of opened myself up to different experiences, joined a, a, a youth group, it was actually the, the best part about it was I was sitting there praying and I said, you know what, God, if you want me to be more involved, you've got to give me chances. How can I do that? And then someone just came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, join this youth group. Now, all these little things just led to this sort of cavalcade of, of, of desires to see something different. And I, I, I think we could spend hours talking about all sorts of stuff because all of our lives are so rich and wonderful. But I, I remember one moment when we'd been living, we went to World Youth Day in 2000 in Rome. Um, my wife and I, we weren't married. We were only 18 or 19 and we went. And I remember seeing this church alive 
and this church that was vibrant with young people that was enthusiastic that that had people that just wanted to share that message that Jesus's love transforms us and i remember experiencing that and then coming back and and it wasn't to take away anything from our vibrant church here the church in australia yeah. can be vibrant in many places but i remember someone once saying to me oh josh you're you're so enthusiastic and so on fire but you know what the church over there is just a little bit behind us. They'll be like us soon and everything's just slowly shutting down. And I didn't take that as the moment to go, yes, we're going to shut it down. It's more the moment that this is actually going to give me really hopeful and joyful and transformative. So I think that put me on a path that, that led to lots of things that I probably didn't plan for really. Right. Isn't that wild and wonderful how as a young boy, you know, I often think I was just talking to an, a, another person I recorded a podcast and they were just saying they were 16. And, yeah. and it's, you know, they think you're 13 and I was probably 15. Yeah. And and it's like, gosh, how much credit do we give these kids for having any desire whatsoever for anything religious, anything God-related? And yet so many people's stories, it's not uncommon to hear it starting from such a young, tender age. Absolutely. Well, even is it St. Vincent de Paul Society, the Vincentians, they started with Frederick Osnum as a young man seeing being challenged in his faith and going out and getting some wood for some families that had no 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 heating. Like that sort of yeah. stuff. Young people can see it sometimes better than now that I'm really old. Um, I probably don't see it as well. But other people, yeah. young people can see what the need is and, and actually I think sometimes we might think that young people are spending all the time on phones and just on social media, but they know what's going on. And and giving uh, them the space to be able to act, I, I think that was what I was blessed with. People gave me the space to be able to go faith further in my faith. And you know what? Sometimes when I was a little bit pushed back and told, oh, well, you can't do that, that actually helped me. Um, and I, I think that was God in that. I, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't something where I was just avoiding the pain. I was being pushed back for a reason because it helped me to grow. Right. That's such a great attitude. Sometimes we look at our, you know, I have a friend of mine named Wayne. He says, don't ever waste a good crisis. You know, when, yeah. when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling like you're suffering, it's like, yeah. don't push it down. Don't bury it. Own it. Yeah. There's probably something to learn and grow through. And, and so sometimes our nose or can be that very tool that, you know, helps you do something cool. Wow, that's beautiful. And so tell me a little bit about how that evolved over time in terms of whether it was parish work or, or like how did you get to doing what you're doing now yeah, as so the diocese as mission director? We were, I was always involved in in the church from probably around that 15 age age period. My family was involved in church, but we'd, we'd always, I'd always tried to be involved in different things, whether it was part of youth mm -hmm. groups or just assisting in, in any way. St. Vincent de Paul, as I talked about earlier, all these different ways of, of connecting in. And I think that helped. But then I, we had had this sort of transformative experience where we, um, for links uh, in many different ways and to the Bathurst Diocese here, we, uh, myself, as well as um, my wife, we were married by then, we decided to spend 12 months living with a, a new uh, covenant community in France um, and living there in service and, and having some really amazing experiences with a very youthful community that was full of young men and young women giving themselves uh, in service as priests and sisters and married people um, down in uh, Lyon in France. And in that experience, it gave us a lot of structure. It gave us a lot of an understanding of our faith 
especially around um, prayer, especially around just actually um, how to live a good life too. But also those opportunities where we could see, as I said earlier, that the church that could be alive. Um, sometimes we can get obsessed, especially in diocesan land, a little bit about money. Um, we need money. We need money. Right. Um, but I always think that if, if if people, and I think I've heard you say this too, Ron, um, if people <laughs> if people are on fire in their faith, the money isn't going to be an issue. We're not going to have any trouble. Um, and I've uh, started saying recently, I hope it's a quote from someone else, but I don't think it is. Um, uh, um, I don't think any church has renewed itself just because it wanted more money or by asking oh. for more money. That doesn't work. Um, but we saw this church that was alive. We saw this ex- these great people that were giving of their life, and we were blessed to be able to be part of that. And then at the end, we um, did a 30-day retreat, um, my wife and I in silence, which was amazing. I had a month of our Ignition life. Mission retreat? Or... Exactly, yep, yep. Yeah. So we did that for 30 days in a uh, an old monastery in, in central France. And some of the things that came out of that was our desire to serve the church, um, as a deacon, I'm a married deacon um, now, uh, was I had felt a calling to that, but also a real calling to the Bathurst Diocese because we were living in France and the community we were, we were living with wanted us to stay and join with them, the Chemineff community. They wanted us to be part of their work in England. They were going to help me study, or Anna and I, to study as well as uh, formation around the diaconate, but just be part of some of their university uh, chaplaincies and things like that. But we really felt a call to the Bathurst Diocese and it's a bit of a strange thing um, because it wasn't a call just to coming back home to Australia. It was very much specifically to come back here um, in this place, this this particular church in Australia. Um, so we, we came back. I didn't have a job. My wife, Anna, was was pregnant with our first son, Jack. Um, we didn't have any. We lived with parents. And I, I, got, some, I got a really good job very quickly, um, a job that I never would have thought I was equipped for, and I still probably wasn't equipped for, but who's really equipped for any jobs they have? Uh, and I, it's true. It's not true. I had a I had a, uh, a great experience and great formation working um, for Aldi supermarkets, and people always think uh, Aldi supermarkets, Josh, you didn't work there. You worked for, for Aldi cars. It's just because Australians can't say the AU and the AL. It's the same thing in Australia, apparently. Uh, uh. But anyway, I, I learned so much about leadership there. I learned so much about how to... Uh, inspire and help people to be motivated. And I think one of the the best things that anyone ever said to me, and it was in the early days of Aldi starting in Australia, was was one of the air, German area managers, Michelle, saying to me, he said, Josh, you know, we are a German company and German companies may have a certain way about them. But he said, you can't try and be a German area manager. You have to be you. You have to lead as you are because if you're leading as someone else, it's never going to work. It's not going to suit you and you're just going to come out of it fatigued and the people aren't going to value what you say. And I think that's something that really stuck with me and I think it links in with all that sort of stuff around Clifton Strengths and all that sort of space. Just be you. And that was something that I think when he said that to me, that really transformed how I could be as as the person that that I am now. Um, It freed me. I felt free. Yeah, so I was going to just wrote that word down. That's freedom. When you give people permission and at back you say, I expect you to be you. <laughs> I need you to be you. Exactly. You're not going to be successful as somebody else because people can see right through us when we're not being authentic. Eh? Like, yeah, yeah. People have a nose for that stuff. And I, that's always, so cool. You know, we but, always say that with our, um, 
um, we say it in, again in Australia, we have a very strong Catholic school system that's very well populated with uh, students. And always something we say that you could be a teacher teaching maths and have a faith, and those students will know you have a faith because they can tell. They have a very strong something detectorist, young people. Um, but if you're if you're teaching religion and you don't really believe it or feel it, they're going to know that too. And I, mm-hmm. I, I always think those moments just sort of flow on down for me. That moment where Michelle said that, it reminds me we just have to be authentic. And if we're not, it's not going to work. Mm. That's so beautiful. I think I'm going to... Did they have um, the Sh- Shemanuf? Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah I think that's how I say it, but I'm Australian. <laughs> yeah. I'm from Nova Scotia. I say anything I want and get away with it. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, are they in Paris as well? Like, uh, yeah, they, they are. They're a bit yeah. more through, um, they're actually the, the community that, uh, animates. So the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, the Anglican Archbishop Church of England, Episcopalian, mm-hmm. whichever word we're using, um, his, at his, uh, home, he has, yeah. uh, some young people that have uh, a gap year. I think it's one or two years. I think it's right. called the St. Anselm community. And the Shimanoff community comes in and helps animate that with the formation as well as the morning and evening prayer and masses and things like that. It's a wonderful moment where young people from different churches come together and pray because um, we have more in common than uh, than, uh, the, the, than separates us, even if we like to think the other way around. Um, it's the same Jesus, whether it's, as, as you Are know better you than sure? me, I'm very sure it's the same Jesus because he's, he's up there looking Is at, it? well, up, well, he's, he's aware of all of our challenges anyway. <laughs> hey man, I, I could not agree more. It's one of the blessings of, uh, certainly growing up in this generation for me where I live, there's a lot less, I was just yeah. talking to somebody today, I can't remember who it was, but they were just talking about how divided they were and yeah. and you know protestants and catholics and and thankfully there's a lot less of that where i live right Absolutely. now and so i'm grateful for that um yeah and i'm going to be in france in may going to Lovely. be stopping in actually going to be visiting two of those churches now that there you, you mentioned. go I, yeah and just checking out those communities again they're live vibrant tons of young people and i just can't wait to learn from them and and spend some time with them and so right. it's going to be a it's going to be a treat. So that's neat. That was a big part of uh, you and your wife's yeah, formation. It, it, it and, definitely yeah. was a big part of it. And I think those experiences of, of faith in France, but also those experiences of work leading to the point where I'm here now working here. You know, I, I always sort of had this desire, as I said, in the 30-day retreat, we felt the calling to the Bathurst Diocese. But I always had this other thing too, that I, I was really aware that I didn't want to work to the ch- come to the church without any skills. Because, you know, some... It's well, it's well founded. It's a beautiful thing to come there and 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 say yes, I feel called. But if you're coming to the church and you've never had any work experience, um, you've never had any time to to see how other organisations may do things, or even just how to relate to other people, um, uh, that's probably a bit too far. What I just said then, but uh, even if you just you just need to work on things, I I didn't think I'd be as effective. Um, and I think the roles that I've had, whether it was um, being in France, whether it was um, other jobs where I cut cauliflowers in a market garden for six years while I was at uni, which was, that was just as formative in many ways. But if, right. if I hadn't had those experiences, I don't think I could do what I'm doing now. Um, there's no right. way if, if I had have just said, right, put my hand up as a young, enthusiastic man and I'm sure in a diocese that was struggling uh, for vocations and people, they would have said, yep, here you go. Let's get you in. But I don't right. know whether I'd still be here because I don't know whether I would have been able to do what I can do now as a consequence right. of the skills that I've had. And I was always really afraid 
of working for the church too. Um, I was afraid because I was really enthusiastic about my faith. I wanted to be involved. I actually do like God. I, I like <laughs> I like what God's done in my life. It really has helped me to be the better person that I am that I am now. But I was afraid if I went there that I'd lose my passion, um, that I'd be drawn into this oh this world of suit and suits and ties and looking very proper and 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 not feeling alive. And I, I'd, I worried it to kill my passion. And I've been really blessed that I've been, again, um, with uh, my bishop, uh, who has, has, has trusted me and allowed me to find the right space. In many ways, um, he's the same as Michelle. I've only ever worked for Michaels in my life, if that helps. Um, so Bishop Michael and, and Michelle, the uh, area manager, both of them have allowed me to be me. And I think that's really helped in, in allowing that that fear of working for the church and losing losing the passion or or just going down a path that wasn't right has not been something that's sort of sitting over me as much as I thought it would be. So it's it's been very free. That's beautiful. As we said. That's beautiful. It's um yeah, I think that's a legitimate hesitation or 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 what have you. Um it also tells me too how important being rooted in prayer is. Like that time that you and your wife took yeah. for a thirty-day Ignatian exercise silent retreat. Like that's just so beautiful. But boy, when we're rooted in prayer, it helps us discern our call even more. It's one thing to have this call that comes up all of a sudden, but does it stay with you? Yeah. Does it mature? Does it does it decant? And if so, then then you can. Have, but but that does. That can happen. One of the ways, one of the important ways it can happen is continue to pray into it and to be uh -huh. rooted in prayer. And because God's not going to call you to something and then not give you the heart for it. And so part of that discernment process, uh, just really neat how you did that. And so um, in my work with diocese, <laughs> I would say it's universal. My, my first assumption, if I'm going to work with a new diocese, is the relationship between the diocese and the presbyterate or, or the is usually not healthy at all. Like that's my starting point. And I'm not saying that to be facetious. I'm just saying, no, that actually seems to be the starting point everywhere I go. And and I don't think that's I don't think it's a problem in the sense that it is what it is. So you just have to deal with reality. And I think it's very, very achievable to turn that around. Yeah. It's not easy, but, but it's achievable. But like when you started working with the diocese, was it like, hey, you know what? We're, we're everybody's best friend. We're great partners <laughs> and, and we're we're all in this together. Was it more acrimonious at times? Or, well, like, tell me a little bit about it. And again, it's, it's, yeah. it's an interesting thing, Ron. I am. I, um... We um, again. I was very young, and 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 maybe I I've grown and matured since then when we we're living in France. But I remember we visited um, in France uh, the the shrine, the the basilica of Jean Vianney, Saint Jean Vianney, and we had mm -hmm. a list of all the priests' names of our diocese. So we had all there, and one priest in particular loves telling the story because I think he thinks I was being a little bit too pious at the time. But we 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 prayed. <laughs> we 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 had a list for the every priest in our diocese. There wasn't many because we probably weren't through a period where we had um, a bit a shortage of priests uh, when we prayed for every priest and we sent them a uh, a card from France saying we prayed for them so they all knew who we were Anna and I were and we'd been part of the parish and the community um some of them didn't know what to think of us 
uh, when I started working for the church as well, because I was a, uh-huh. probably a little bit of an un- unknown, but they knew that I had sort of the runs on the board and been around and the trust was there, but there still is that, that thing that exists. And I don't know, I think it's in all of us. We always want to have someone else that we can blame. I, I remember one of my brother deacons will often talk about how, oh yes, the church should be doing much more about this. And I said, I say, there's not much more besides us than the church. If we're not doing it, who else is going to do it? So we can't talk about the church anymore because we've got to try and be the one that's bringing that hope and renewal on people and even just helping people in the simplest way, making sure they have in tough times like we have now, making sure people have got enough food because it's not easy. And I think coming in with a little bit of a background, people knew um, both my family and my wife's family are reasonably well-known Catholic families that people can trace back for a few generations. Um, so that makes a difference, but it, it it still meant that they have to trust you. Um, and I, I, I still remember the first time I presented to all of our priests and our bishop uh, very early on. And I, 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 I could, I knew them well enough to go, I know there's some people here that will uh-huh. pull apart this. They're going to have opinions on what I put together that are going to be different to what I think. Um, and I made a decision that I was going to learn from their wisdom. So I said, you know what, this is going to take up my time. But I drove two or three hours to wherever they were to about four or five of our key priests and sat down and said, this is what I'm going to present. What do you think? How can you help me to make sure we, because we both want the same goal. We're both after the same thing here, but we all have different ways. So tell me, what do you think? And, And that really helped to gain trust, but also helped me grow. It wasn't just me knowing everything uh-huh. as this young fellow that thinks he's very holy and pious and sits on a railway station praying for priests. It, it, it was this moment where they could help me. And I was really grateful for that feedback, but it also set the tone in a way with them that enabled the trust to be there because they knew that I wasn't going to come in and just tell everyone what to do. Because as we all, well, actually people probably don't know really, um, in a diocesan role, in some ways you have no authority. Like I have some authority as a deacon from the bishop, but in a diocesan role, it really is only your influ- influence, as Maxwell says all the time. It is just being able to influence people. We can't tell anyone what to do. And even in the structure of our church, um, parishes, priests, parish priests have a lot of rights and, and responsibilities. That means it has to be something where you're just working with people. Um, imposing uh-huh. may have worked before. Um, did it really? I don't know may have worked before uh, 50 60 70 80 100 years ago now it has to be people that want to be involved and want to be transformed and want their communities to be stronger because all of us know there's that itch where we we know it could be better um but whether we want to actually make the the decision to leap into the the pain state that will be change is um is something that 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 always is a a challenge for people Uh, yeah i just want to pick up on that josh you know that listen versus tell. You know, so sometimes I'll I'll, I'll see something come. I, I remember working with the diocese; it was quite large, and we were kind of working with some of the staff, the diocesan yeah. staff that right. they presented this group. I said, "Well, you know, these are the type of people we work with, and here's why, and here's where you said you want to go. So this is how we get there." And and then I find out, no, they gave me a whole different group of people, basically their biggest problems. And I said, I can't coach people like that because they're not interested. Like, I I can't make people do what they don't want to do. And I'm not even going to waste my time. Like, it's a waste of my time and theirs. Like, you know, 
And they're like, oh no, the, the Cardinal gets what the Cardinal wants. It's like, no, he doesn't. Like, you know, and sure enough, it didn't work out at all. No. You know, you, you can't make people do stuff. It's the it's the lowest form of, of leadership is authority. Like influence is the, is the currency that we want to be trading in. And, and that influence is the foundation of that influence is trust, as you mentioned. It's... And Ron, and, and, I remember, I yeah. remember early on, and I was, and it was only probably two years ago, post COVID. Well, no, it was probably only yeah. just probably last year. Um, beforehand, I'd do lots of little things to try and get engagement with what the diocese would wanted to do. I'd say, okay, we'll organise this parish is going to host this bit. This one is going to do this. We're going to delegate jobs so we know that they'll turn up. They'll be have to be part of it because they've got that. Oh yeah, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to get them there. It's it's a little bit of trickery. We're trying to we do it like that, but. I eventually said, and I remember, and if any of our priests from our diocese are, are listening, that I remember at one clergy <laughs> gathering saying very clearly, he said, fathers, I know before I've used trickery. You know I've used trickery where I'll say, this parish is doing this, this one's doing this, this one's doing that. And then you send people. I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. If you want to be involved, we have this great swathe of stuff that we can help you with. We've got the resources. We've got the skills. We've right. got the ability to help out. But you have to choose. If you want it, Come and be, right. be part of it. We're not going to try and trick you. We're not going to sort of tie it up in a present and then you open it up and go, hang on, that's not what I thought it was. You're going to know what you're getting. Um, so that's no more trickery. This is it. You've got it. If you want to open that present, you'll get what you think is going to be in there. Wow. Good for you. It's tricky. I, I remember years ago talking to a lady. She was dropping off her, her son at a university in the town that, that we live in and she's... You know, she heard of us and said, well, you know, if I would, I, would you be able to give me an hour of your time if I stopped by when I dropped my son off from another province across the country? Right. And I said, sure. And so we did. Then she worked for the diocese. I said, what do you do? And she told me what she did. I said, no, you don't. What do you do? And she told me again. I said, no, you don't. What do you do? <laughs> and she says, if I don't do that, I don't know what I do. I said, you don't do that. The church does that. You right. don't work for the church. You told me right. you work for the diocese. So what do you do? Yeah. Oh, I work with parishes that do this stuff. I said, ah, that's more like it. How long yep. have you been doing it? Seven years. I said, terrific. How many churches do you have that are implementing this thing that you believe yeah. is going to make a big difference? She said, well, one, kind of. And I said, okay. I said, so seven years, one, kind of. Okay. Um, what's your goal for next year? She said, Goal. I said, yeah, what's your goal? Well, I don't have any goals. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what if your goal next year was two? So why wow. don't we spend a big chunk of time shoring up this one that you're working with, seeing if you can get some results that you believe are possible with whatever it is that you're using, yeah. and then maybe we can work with him to see if there's any opportunity to influence somebody else who's looking for similar results. And, and it was just like... <sighs> Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yep. And so that experience that you got from that grocery chain that you worked with, like those are the types of experience learning what leadership looks like. It's not just programming. It's it's like what does leadership mean? Yeah. What does it mean to influence? What does it uh, mean to support? What does it mean to help? It's a thing. Uh, versus, you know, that other diocese I mentioned that it's like, yeah. well, uh, Cardinal gets what the Cardinal wants. It's like, yeah, probably not. So they'll dial it in. They'll do as little as possible to make 
themselves not get in trouble and it will impact anybody. Yep. Yep. What I'm hearing you say is this this building trust, this really, really trying to find who is open to going, you know, to working together to see if we can learn some new things and do some things together and celebrate some wins for the kingdom. That's what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. And I think that's that's such a wonderful way of putting it. Because that that is what we're all in. We're we forget sometimes we might just think we're holding up the institution, but we're not. Um and I used to be, and I think it must be an age thing, I used to be always upset if anything that changed in the church. Oh well, we're gonna not have this mass or whatever. And we've all been there with the mass changes or whatever. But you know what? It isn't just about that. It's about us <clears throat> continuing to allow the world to be changed because of the love of God. And and we just need to keep doing that. And and sometimes things change, sometimes things grow, new things start, old things die. And that's okay. Are we willing then to continue to push ourselves to see what is the new thing that we're going to help support so that Jesus can be found in a new way for new people? Amen. Amen. Do you, uh, Josh, do you do some volunteering and get involved in your local parish? Yeah. So I'm, again, one of the church, one of the gifts the church has is their ability of making up great titles. So I have I have a great title for working in the diocese, but I'm also appointed to a little parish uh, outside the town of Bathurst, so Bathurst, Australia, not Canada, and it's a little parish of about a hundred people. Um, and we're there, my wife and I and our kids, we go there and we volunteer uh, in that parish, part of that community, do a beautiful. lot of the sacramental prep, um, involved in other aspects of that that community. Um, it's funny, it's funny to experience those smaller communities because. There's just such a, a love there. Like I had a phone call from one of them, one parishioner yesterday, and they rang and said, oh, I've got a new phone number, Josh, and I just wanted you to have it. Now, I don't know. I think I've read in books, Ron, maybe it shouldn't be that everyone's getting a phone call from everyone about that, and we need to make sure we don't do that. I know there's aspects of well, what I'm saying. Well, when your church is 100, no, I, I know there's aspects where it's not the right thing. But you know what? I thought You know, she wanted to make sure I had a phone no. number. and. I've spoken to her on the phone maybe twice, but she wanted to make sure I had a phone number. And I thought, well, that's beautiful. you know what? That's the sort of stuff that does inspire you, that, that she's lived her whole oh, yeah. life in that community. Um, the organist there does so much that wins the Citizen of the Year quite often. And like It's all, all sorts of stuff like that that I, I'm always inspired by because our, our world do, does need people to give generously. Um, it's not just giving no. money, it's giving of their time because no. so many things wouldn't exist, whether it's the local junior sport or whatever it is, wouldn't exist without volunteers. So mm-hmm. we need to do our bit and it shows we love people too. Sure does. There's a article years ago, I can't remember who referred it to Father James and I, but it was called, um, Tim Keller wrote it and it was called Church Size Dynamics mm-hmm. and how leading changes depending on the size of a church and it was so cool to read it so many things in a church of a hundred that make no sense for a church of a thousand and if you don't know and you're going from a church to a hundred to a church of a thousand you're just going to try to do the same things you did before and vice versa and it's equally ineffective but we we didn't have a clue i just thought was such a brilliant article and you know any of our listeners want to look that up, it's it really is helpful, particularly when you think about how priests are formed. Sometimes they go to bounce around to different churches as part of their formation as an associate before they become a parish priest. And and um, 
but without any understanding of how leading needs to look different depending on the size of the church that you're in. Because what you just shared is a story that is very much lined with a small town. Like, and, of course. You know, the organist has been there forever and, and she'll be there forever. And, yeah. and you know, you know there's, so there's different, different dynamics at play within church worship, within the community itself. You know, whereas a church of 1,500 people, you know, if you don't like the organist, you, you, you just move them along and you get somebody else. You try that in a small church and you, you're at, they'll blow up your house. And so... <laughs> well, they know where you live. That's the problem. They know where you live. So, yeah. But I, 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 I think many great yeah. leaders that were carrying you off, many have started in those small churches. And that's, as you okay. said, it's right, especially for, for, for our priests. You normally start in a small location or as an associate or whatever. But I often think, especially where our church is uh, at, the, at the moment and, and, and many of our parts of our world, that, that you'll have um, missionary priests that are coming from other places where the church may be more numerous and may be more vibrant. They then come to a part of the world where there is less. I can think of one priest, yeah. uh, his previous appointment, he was in charge of a parish every week. A couple of thousand people came to Mass and he had a couple of schools with four or 5,000 kids, whatever, huge numbers. And then he comes yeah. to a place here where he's maybe got 20. And and it makes me, I'm inspired by them because yes. you have to hold on to your faith. And for, I don't know whether you have to hold on to your faith tighter or more loosely when that happens, but you've got to hold on to your faith and hold on to the, that call that you talked about earlier, Ron. Otherwise, it'd be really hard. Like I, mm-hmm. I know working for the diocese, there's some days where I get in the car and I just, I'm glad I'm in the car by myself because I just need to yell and scream and maybe belt out a worship song or something because it's, it's challenging. But there's other times yep. I'll get in the car and I think how beautiful it was and I'll be, be crying. Um, right. We've just got to find that space that we can hang on to our call because uh-huh. just a good feeling 20 years ago, we, we've got to keep that call, whether it's marriage, whether it's um, a vocation to a, a, a role in a diocese or a parish, or whether uh-huh. it's a vocation as a priest, a deacon or religious or whatever. You need to hang on to it and find ways that you can make sure it grows and is is nourished by scripture. And I, I, I feel like I should stop here, but one of the things I'm always, so for myself, I'm embarrassed about, I didn't figure out the importance of scripture to a post-ordination as a deacon. Now, how embarrassing is that? Like, and I think I, I, I really understood then how beautiful the lectionary was. I actually understood then how important and wonderful Jesus's teaching was, how wonderful it is we work through scripture each and every day. And you know what? I, I think to myself, I, it feels a little bit like I know, what Father James might talk about in, in terms of seminarians and, and calling and stuff like that about, I, I, I just think to myself, why, why didn't I figure this out before? Like, why didn't uh, I figure out that, you know what, I can pick up a Bible any moment of the day, pick up a Bible and spend time hearing how Jesus wants me to live my life. And here, not even Jesus, well, all parts of the Bible. We can hear about how God has blessed us. Why did I take so long? But I did. And I'm I'm glad that I figured it out now, rather than getting to the end and going, oh, oh well, missed that chance, didn't I? <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing to do with any of the questions you've asked, Ron. But I, I just had a two minute holly in me. I wanted to get it out. Is that all right? <laughs> Listen, oh, you're getting an amen from me. I, I know for me, I was in my twenties when when I discovered the power of Scripture. And you know, for all the the evangelical Protestant listening, they're losing their mind right now. It's like I'm God's sorry. You know, they get they get so frustrated with us that that scripture isn't really a like we can go to church our whole life, we can go to Catholic schools our whole life, we can come from Catholic families our whole life, 
and and even go through the seminary, and that's just not deacons; that's priests too. That uh, you know, you know that that's not as or uh, as much a part of our daily life and and formation as as it could be. And and when we find it, it's a treasure that that just keeps on giving. Yeah. And, but but I I think also in fairness, because I I do agree, Ron, with what you're saying. But I, I was at the minister's fellowship for here in in Bathurst the other day. We're having a discussion with, and one of the questions was. So actually, what happens in Mass? So we spent some time with All six, seven other churches sure. just talking yeah. about about what happens yeah. at, at Mass. And we're talking about Scripture. And I said, oh, so we use the lectionary. And I said, oh, so what's the lectionary? We're going through what the lectionary was, how it goes through the Bible. And then mm-hmm. some other churches who do use the lectionary, which is a great ecumenical gift That's that right. we all have, um, made some yeah. point. He said, you know, the beauty of the lectionary is you actually have to preach the whole Bible. You don't just preach the bits you want. Now, that's a hard right. version. This might get cut out if I say that, Rod, and you can cut that out if you <laughs> want to. But, um, but that's the, that was one of the strengths. And they were saying, uh, you know what? we're hearing the whole Bible. And the Bible is at Mass. It's all mm. through the Mass. Maybe as Catholics, we don't appreciate where Scripture is, and we think, oh, yeah, the Gospel's done. We've just got to get to communion. Maybe some think that. But many, are, and especially coming out of COVID, I, I think for ourselves, I know we started something, a simple little thing in our diocese called Connected Home, where we have each morning an email that's sent out with the daily scripture um, and, a, and a short reflection written by a priest, bishop, or a deacon in the diocese that comes uh, out every day of the year. And we've done that yeah, since awesome. the first week of lockdown, well, second week of lockdown. Now, that's something that helps people to remember how important scripture is. And you know what? Hey, all, all we can do is our little bits. That's all we can yeah, do. Yeah, no, I agree. And just encourage any of us that are listening, you know, dive in, you know, send me an email and I will absolutely connect you to our, that we do it every week. You just take one scripture, read the exact same scripture every week. It's only small. And then at the end of the week, we write a reflection. What did God say to you in that scripture? And, Wonderful. and it's just a great way, very much like Show Divino, like it's, it's just reflecting and letting God speak to you because he wants to. That's so cool. Just uh, just one of the things, just kind of jumping back a bit, but I, I remember, you know, working at the parish level and, and, you know, I found the easiest people to kick was the people downtown who worked at the diocese, right? Like it was always the diocese faults. If anything, if we got frustrated with something, we blame the diocese, you know, the paint started peeling on the wall. It was the diocese fault or God, you know, yes. chewing gum underneath the, the <laughs> it's just, I think, oh, clearly I'm exaggerating, but Boy, I'll tell you, we 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 would often complain about the diocese, and I remember at one point we caught ourselves in our own foolishness in a moment of grace, thinking, "What are we doing?" And those guys are down there working hard. Uh-huh. They love Jesus. They love the church. They're trying their best, and all we have in return behind their back is to be complaining and griping. And we were convicted that it was just rotten thing to do. And it had to stop. Yep. And so we, we were absolutely convicted of that. And so what we decided to do was we decided that week we were all going to get to work early. We we're going to jump in a bunch of cars. We we're going to drive to Tim Hortons, which is our coffee place here. Yeah. Yeah. We we're going to buy a bunch of coffee, a bunch of donuts, get a bunch of cups and milks and creams and sugars. And we we're going to coffee bomb the diocese. <laughs> and so we went in as a whole staff and we had you know, probably 15 staff members at the time. And we just descended on the diocese and they're like, 
what are you guys doing here? We're, we're just here to say thank you uh, for all that you do on your hard work. And, and people were tearing up. We're yeah. pouring them coffee and giving them donuts. And, and that meant so much to them. It didn't take much. But to own our complaining and our griping and start being a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Like, I've, I work with all kinds yep. of dioceses now, and I don't work with any that don't have absolutely unbelievable Christian men and women who love Jesus, love the church, love the local parish, and want to help. Now, they might not know exactly how, but they're working really hard to figure it out. And I often say to churches that I coach, be a part of the solution. Partner with the diocese. Whoever there is wanting to help you, receive their help. And you'll be able to teach them as much as they're teaching you. And then maybe if you're doing anything worthwhile at all, maybe it will bless other people in the diocese. Start yeah. owning that relationship, being a, a, a collaborator in growth, and let's work together. Right. I just see so much goodwill in right. dioceses. And, and, and as, as parishes, we just have to, like, one of the things we have to do is stop complaining. Stop it. <laughs> like It's like a disease. It is. <laughs> but it's, it's a disease. You just have to stop. I agree, and and you can. It happens. It happens everywhere. It just becomes this thing where you mm-hmm. you're just identifying that. Oh well, this person hasn't done that right, and oh look at them. They're never going to do it right. One of the things we're trying to do this year for for the little team I work with here is, and I learned this again from supermarkets from being an area manager because you had to be uh-huh. an area manager. You had to run a supermarket. You had to be on the tills. You had to do everything and run the stock. It wasn't yeah. just the glory jobs. So we're actually going to go out, and, and this is now that it's in tape. We have to do it now, don't we? Um, we are going to go out and have a day in a, in a parish, each of us, mm-hmm. and just spend the day, whatever it is. You're not going in there to run a program or to – you're just going to sit there in the office, take the phone calls, do whatever's needed so that we can learn more too because that's one of the things that happens. Oh, they don't understand what we do or we don't understand what they do. But the thing, we need to get proximate to each other, whether it's proximate to help people – um, experience Jesus, um, or whether it's proximate just to work better together. We can't just stay in our little silos separate. If we're closer mm. together, we know each other, the relationships, as we talked about earlier, if you have those relationships, then there is the chance that we can actually move past some of this silly stuff and be united mm. to to keep the main thing the main thing, not just all the other stuff we want to do. Well, it's wonderful. You know, what, what you're doing there. I think is so helpful. And that's why I asked you earlier, you and your wife engaged in your local church. I often talk to diocese staff here. I often say your training ground for what you do in the diocese is your local parish. And if you're not engaged in your local parish, you're probably not going to be particularly useful in your job at the diocese. You know, we have to, our training ground is the local parish and engaging in trying to bring up renewal and engage people at that level because it's really hard and if you don't know how hard it is to turn around a parish then you can work at a diocese and then judge all them that they're lazy they don't work hard enough they don't listen they and and you too can look down your nose and it's like but if we all knew how hard it was maybe we could speak the same language have more respect for each other give each other a little bit more grace and then do this yeah. together i think that's a pretty wise way i often think when relationships break down um it's just because we just lose the ability to to hear the other person we we just move into this space where whatever they're saying silly or oh, i'm not going to listen to that anymore and right. that's when relationships start i think anyway start falling over and it's not always one big thing it's just all these little decisions where we decide not mm-hmm. to to hear the other and I, I think you're right we just need to be more willing to open our ears to to hear the good that others are doing because they're trying to do good things we're all trying um maybe we're going down the wrong path but 
that's if we're sitting and talking honestly to each other, then maybe we'll find the right path together, not just find it ourselves and walk down there and not have anyone behind us. We need to be together and, and leading others. Amen. And, and I think just to go full circle, when you were talking about Michelle, um, just saying to you, I think it was Michelle, that, yep, uh, that you need to be you and you can't be somebody else or it's not going to work. And that's the same for all these pastors and these mm-hmm. leadership teams, these diocesan staff. Like, let's give everybody the freedom right now to be exactly who you're created to be. And 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 then learn. Yeah, just it's just too fun. Josh, I love your wisdom. I I love I love how God's formed you at different times, different ways. But this constant connection that you've had with the church through your family. Um. Schools through the local parish, through the movements like World Youth Day and this community in France, nation France. exercises. You don't seem to be cutting yourself off from any of the graces of the church that can um, help you along the way. And it sounds like it's beautiful to do it with your wife. It has been and still is. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I hope to, to meet her someday. Have I met her yet? I don't think you have Ron. No, I don't think oh, you good. have met so Anna. I can but say I'll make that sure I'll, you can say that. So Anna, here you go. You got to meet Ron, um, <laughs> and so I can't wait will. to meet you and your mom. I want to meet yeah. you. Oh. <laughs> there you go. I, I I think that when I became a, an acolyte, when I was installed as an acolyte, um, the, one of the priests there hadn't met my my wife Anna, and also I because I looked considerably old. I was standing next to my mother, and she came up and the camera. My mother looks must look very good. Came up and said, "Hello, Anna. It's so wonderful to meet you." <laughs> And uh, uh, so, uh, please, Ron, don't do that. Uh, my mother likes it. I don't think Anna takes to it as well. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it's my one, being your mother's good book, so that's the yeah. way to go. But, yeah, so, there's well, going to be sure a middle ground. Right. <laughs> well, Josh, God bless you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the diocese. Thank you for spending time on the podcast today. I think it's a real encouragement for people who are in different parts of the journey, kind of answering the call that God has on their heart. It's Man. It's tough. But, you know, what I love about yours, too, is it— it wasn't always in the church. It took you outside. You were always in the church, yeah. but you were able to learn from anywhere and then apply that to this call in, in this way. And I just think it's such an encouraging, inspiring story. You're amazing. I love you, buddy. Thanks, Ron. Great to talk <laughs> to you. You too. God bless. And thank you all for listening, following along. Please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe. Uh, all that makes a difference. God bless you all. Thanks for all you do in your area of business or or non-for-profits or the church, wherever you're at for leading. Leaders make the world a better place. Uh, So keep up the good work and God bless you all. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.